You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the, uh, the, the final chapter, the third part of this three-part series, Toil and Rest, where we're going to look at rest. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace that we can know you and be near to you, that we can discover you through your word, that we can walk with you by your spirit, that we can trust you through your son. And God, thank you that because of that, we get to be drawn into the work, that we get to be drawn into the purpose that you made all things for, that we get to bring glory to you and we get to bring order and beauty to all the things that we put our hands to day in and day out. And because of your work, we get to rest. So would you, would you capture our minds and our hearts? Would you let us understand what it means to dwell with you on this earth, to walk with you and to rest in you? In Jesus' name, amen. So when it comes to, to work, there are kind of two obvious gutters, uh, two obvious ditches that we're drawn into, um, one being over and one being under, one being too much work and one being not quite enough work. And we've been looking at work for the last couple weeks through the series. Um, we, we saw that God designs work and work was a thing before sin came into the earth, which is, which is good to know that, that God designed work and he gave us purpose through that. We saw last week that sin breaks work. And because of sin's work, uh, gosh, we're broken, and the work of our hands are broken, and, and it, it just is it's tough. We saw a little bit last week, and we'll see this week, that Jesus redeems work, and then we're brought into what, what I would call the toil of rest. And so um, we, we don't talk much about, uh, you know, when, when we think of work, we taught our workplace or around home or, or whatever, but we don't talk much about a rest ethic and a rest culture, and, and the value of not producing. We don't talk much about that, but today we get to do that. And the Bible says a ton about all of those things. That um, kind of frames the, the, these things around the idea of Sabbath, which we'll explore in a few minutes. But I just want to look at one text real quick. Um, it's in, in Mark chapter 2, and we'll look at several passages today. But Mark chapter 2, uh, verse 23 through 28. And this is what this says. One Sabbath, he was, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples, that's Jesus and his disciples, began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to them, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? All right. So you have Jesus and his dudes walking along, and you have these kind of uh, really religious... Why are you doing that? And, and he said to them, have you never read what David did? All right, he's talking about the Old Testament. Uh, have, you, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence. And so he, he basically went into the, the temple and he ate bread in a place that wasn't normally uh, able for them to eat. It was set aside for the priest. 
which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And also he gave it to those who were with him. And then Jesus said this. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Look, there is a ton of stuff around here. I'm going to say this many times. I'm not preaching on the Sabbath today. I'm talking about rest. But there's so much stuff here. But, but what we see in just this simple thing is that there's tension on both sides. That, that we are drawn into worship, and, and we're drawn into worship work, all right? And we're drawn into worship rest. And, and, and so often, uh, like with many things that God gives us, we, we, we get confused uh, about how they work and how we work within them. So in this little, little passage, we see an intro into a few things. The, the first thing, we see that Sabbath is a good thing. Right? So when I say that, I'm sure that this meets you someplace and you say, Sabbath, yeah, no time for that, right? Ain't, ain't got no time for that, so we've got to get to work. And Jesus, like, he, he's the God of the Sabbath, so I don't have to do that. Or you're drawn to say, like, Sabbath, yes, that's why I don't do anything, you know, three days a week, right? And so that, that proves the point. But the Sabbath is a good thing. It's for us. We're not for it. We see that this over-under thing, like too much and too little, it's not a new thing. It's been going on for a long time. And we see that, th- th- this is the kicker, we see that the hope in rest isn't some, some middle ground of balance. It's Jesus, Right? The, the hope of rest is not some, uh, if I can just get my schedule right, then it, it's not that. The hope is Jesus, and so, so He is the Lord of the Sabbath. So those who are in Christ should be known for, for hard work. Like We should work hard, and we should do what we do better than anyone else. But those who are in Christ should also be known for sweet rest. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's kind of where we hang out most of the time. Or maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Um, in his book, Subversive Sabbath, A.J. Swoboda says, uh, what if the church became the place, uh, or what if the church became the best place in the world to learn how to rest? This is an exhausting world, friend. And just hearing those words, like, makes me like, wow, that, that would be amazing. I would love to learn to rest. But, but, but what we see is, is God has invited us into his work, and he invites us into his rest, but we struggle to find the way, and we struggle to engage with balance, and, and we struggle to embrace the value in the role of work and the role of rest, and we struggle to believe truth about both of those things, and we struggle to live out purposed work and, and find genuine rest. All right, and, and as we kind of set this up, Sabbath is a gift from God. And I just want you to think for a second about um, maybe, maybe the idea of like receiving a gift and not knowing what to do with it. My, my wife and I, um, we got like these lawn chairs for, uh, it was like before we got a wedding shower or something, bridal shower, right? Does that sound fair? Um, <clears throat> and they're not like camping chairs. These are like lawn chairs and they are not, they're not very attractive chairs. And so uh, the, the short of it is they, they hung in our garage for about a decade, all right? And they were just there, right? And it was like, in my mind, these were like, oh, these, those are those like newer chairs and then like literally a decade and a, and a move goes by. But then uh, 
more recently, Kim's begin using these chairs, and, and it's like, wow, they're not so bad. And, and we went to the drive-in on Friday night, we took these chairs, and it's like, are you kidding me? These things are fantastic, and they've been sitting in our garage for a decade. That's the Sabbath. It is a gift, and what we're trying to do is, is we're trying to figure out, one, that it's good, and, and two, how to use it. So, so the big idea is a, a life of rest begins and ends with trusting the one true God. So we're going to look at three things. The first one is this. Rest runs counter. Right? Rest runs counter. I, I want to read a quote from a book called Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. I, it's a tiny book. I know you don't have time for books. This is a tiny one that you should make time for. He says, I read an anecdote once about a woman from another culture who came to the U.S. and she began to introduce herself as busy. It was, after all, the first thing she heard when she heard it was part of our traditional greeting. So she told everyone she met, and that's who she was. That's a reflection of the culture that we live in, right? Um, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of earth, uh, while there are times when they overlap, like right now when, when we're part of the church, and, and we're already gods, and we're already God's people, living according to His rule and His reign, that He came and He set up, when Jesus came to establish the kingdom, and yet we live here on, on this earth. And so there's some overlap, but, but the kingdom of God and the kingdom of earth, they are worlds apart. And, and we read things like the Beatitudes where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And we're like, no, like blessed are the rich. Like that's the way that it goes. And, and blessed are the meek, no, like blessed are the powerful. And, and Jesus just time and time again that, that what he's doing in that is he's setting up the nature of his kingdom, and it just looks different. So, so this is true as we look at work and rest as well. Um, the idea of rest for us in this culture is like an, an alternative lifestyle, right? When, when we consider rest being a priority. So Americans are the busiest people ever to live. And the crazy thing is that's by choice. It's absolutely a choice that, that we, uh, we fall into a stream and we decide to do that. Because we have, we have comforts that afford us more leisure time than any other civilization that's ever walked on the planet. We have, like, microwaves and pizza rolls, right? And that means that, that we have more time to ourselves that, that others didn't have. And so it's not just about surviving. We have comfort and we have leisure time, and, and yet... We're so busy. So something doesn't add up in that. But we seek and we search for more and more and, and we're drunk with a lust for more and that, that should not be. And so DeYoung goes on to say, uh, in light of this, he says, but we all live somewhere and we must swim in the water around us. Right? Rest runs counter. Maybe the best perspective is demonstrated by, by these things. I, I know you've heard them both. There's no rest for the weary. Like, what does that mean? Right? I, I think what it means is like, oh gosh, I'm tired. But there's no rest for the weary, so I better get to work. And then we look at Jesus, and he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, all you who bear burden and come to me and I'll give you rest. Right? That is, that is, that is counter. 
the two worlds that we live in. Um, Tim Keller, in, in his book, Every Good Endeavor, he says, is an indispensable component in a meaningful human life. It is a supreme gift from God and one of the main things that gives our lives purpose. But it must play its proper role, subservient to God. It must regularly give way not just to work stoppage for bodily repair, but also to joyful reception of the world and of the ordinary life. See, we get to run counter to the world around us by finding the proper motivations for hard work and and to build into our life proper space to trust in the sovereignty of God's rule and reign. When we do that, it looks stark. It feels stark. It might feel like you're swimming at least sideways when the current is pushing you this way. And at times, as we walk in Christ, it definitely feels like we go against the current. And that doesn't mean that it's wrong. Uh, for those of you who are connected to a uh, uh, community group, the majority of us, I think, have been going through like this gospel fluency training by a guy named Jeff Vanderstelt. And in that, he talks repeatedly in a, in a bunch of different ways that we get to live in such a way that demands a gospel response. And what that doesn't mean is, like, don't, don't preach the gospel, like, you know, uh, but you get to live in such a way. But what he is saying is live in such a way that, that would pique the interest of your neighbor, and they would say, why do, you, why do you do that? That it might give you an opportunity to declare and to proclaim the, the truth of the gospel of Jesus. So we get to live counter to that. So how would this look if we lived a life of, of hard work and intentional rest? Well, I, I think over time, somebody might say, gosh, you're pretty intentional about the way that that you spend your days. And, and even when you're working hard, you seem to have like an element of, of peace and, dare I say, even joy about you. Right? Consider your work and doing that in a way that, that is actually joyful, whatever it is. And so that, that piques interest. And, and you, you get to say, you know what? Like, gosh, God created us to bring order and beauty. Like, He did that. And all I'm doing is I'm just joining His work to bring order and beauty to the, to the stuff around me through the work of my hands. And, and what about rest? The same way, gosh, like, you seem to rest, like, hard and really, really well. Well, you know what? Like, I know that it feels like we have to do more and more and more and more. But you know what? Like, the work of Jesus frees me to embrace His rest. And I'm telling you what, like, I am today not coming at, uh, so often this guy, uh, has to master these parts of life before, the, before he can communicate them. And like, hear me. You are better at this than I am. But I am want to live in this world where Jesus is my rest. Right? Um, so the question, does your life run counter or has your perspective or your theology or your practice taken on the way of the world? I can't answer that. The only one that can answer that is you. The way that you think about work and rest, does it look like all of those around you that, that aren't walking with Jesus? And does it look like the course of this world and the stream of this world? Or does it, does it look a little different? A life of rest begins and ends with trusting the one true God, which leads us to the second thing, and that's this. Rest remembers God. Rest is surrender and submission to God being God. 
That's what rest is. It's, it's, it's surrender and submission to God being God, and we have all the freedom in the world to live in that. And in this text that we saw in Mark, uh, they say, ah, oh, gosh, I saw you pluck a head of grain, and that's work. And what Jesus says is like, well, well why don't we look back at, at David, King David, the one that, that you build your life around largely, and, and remember the time when, when he worked on the Sabbath, and, and he got food on the Sabbath? He didn't prepare the day before, right? Remember that? And, and, and he looks back and he says, because of need, he wasn't breaking the, the rule of the Sabbath. He wasn't breaking the intent of the Sabbath. He's breaking your law that you impose upon that. And so as we uh, look at Jesus who points them back, it's helpful to kind of journey back. Um, and so this is what we see in, in Genesis chapter 2. We see the beginning of this. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God did everything, and he made everything, and then he sighed. God, God works and God rests. And to be clear, uh, by, by the second chapter of the Bible, we see God, God, God kicking his feet up and enjoying his creation. Like, we know that God isn't God if he needs rest. And he's not like, gosh, I really need to work out a bit more because this is exhausting. Like, he, he's not doing that. He, he's modeling for us what this looks like. And so his need is not rest, but our need is rest. And so he sets apart this day that's free from work to simply dwell in the temple of the earth to enjoy and to delight in all that he had created. And he invites us to do the same thing, to, to work hard and to take time to set it apart, to rest and to, to dwell in the temple of this earth. We fast forward to, to Exodus 16, right? In the next book of the Bible, we see God's people, they're whining a lot, and God pulled them out of slavery, out of Egypt, and, and Moses is leading them, and he's kind of a clumsy leader, and, and he, he gets angry at times, and, and people are just all over the place, and they're grumbling, and they're complaining, and they're like, gosh, why did you take us, why did you even take us out of Egypt? It was better there when we were slaves. Not, that's not true, but that's the way things feel sometimes. And, and Moses said, Here, here's the thing. He says, God provides and, and we get to enjoy that, and we get to gather. And so through the grumbles and through the effort, he meets our needs. And so here's what's going to happen. Your grumbles, they're not against us. You think you're grumbling against me? This is what Moses said. But your complaints are, are to the Lord. Your complaints are against, uh, against God's provision for you. So here's what's going to happen. He says, um, you're, you're going to have all that you can eat. You're going to have quail, all right? Mealtime, meat at dinner, and you're going to have bread, this manna stuff that's like frost and cotton candy. I, I don't know what it is, but, all right? And, and you're going to have all that you can handle. But here's the thing. Each day, eat what you can eat and don't eat anymore, all right? Don't hoard it up. Don't, don't put it in the pantry for later. Just trust me. I'm going to provide, and all you get to do is you get to, you get to come alongside it, and you get to gather it up, and you get to eat it, and you get to be full. Eat all that you want. 
but don't, don't store up more than I'm giving you in the given day. And it takes about 38 seconds, and somebody's like, good idea. Like, we need a bigger uh, pantry. And they, they put the stuff in there, and you know what happens the next day? They wake up, and they're like, I think I could use a snack. I, I put some uh, from yesterday in the snack, and they look, and it's, and it's rotten, and it's got worms in it. And they're like, gosh, what, what happened? I thought, I thought this was from the Lord, right? Remember, God said, don't take more than you need for your day. So, so then it goes on, and, and he says, I, I'm going to test you. I'm going to test your trust for me. And then, and then Moses says this, tomorrow is a day of solemn rest. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil. All that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till morning, as Moses commanded them. And it, took, and it did not stink, nor were there worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to, to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. And there's a ton to look at in there. We, we just don't have time, but a, a couple things. One, th- they had to trust in God's provision, and they had to do some work. And so there's two types. There would be those that would overindulge, and God allowed that to be rotten. And there would undoubtedly be those, hey, it's Friday, like, you, you got to get to work because tomorrow you can't do this. And they're like, they're flipping, and they're watching TV, and they're like, yeah, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And then they fall asleep on the couch, and then they wake up on Saturday, and they don't have anything to eat. And they say, yeah, but where's the food? Do you understand that? Some of you are like, yeah, that's me. And the other is like, are you kidding me? I'd be like stockpiling all the, you know, like, and, and that's okay because there's this over-under element of work. What we see, though, is, is to reject the notion of, of producing, right, rejects God's opportunity to contribute to order and beauty and purpose. If we reject the idea that we're called to gather, to live in, in response to what God has provided, then we reject Him. Keep in mind this, I, I think this is so interesting. God had two vocational jobs in the Bible. He was a farmer at first, a, a gardener, and secondly, he was a carpenter. So God himself knew what work was like. But then the other side of that is to reject intentional rest, is to reject God's design for his glory, for taking it in, for dwelling in him, for resting in him, for delighting apart from what we're doing so when we don't rest, it has its roots in us grumbling and complaining against God's incompetence to give us enough hours in a day, days in a week, months in a year, enough skill to see it through. All these things I struggle with. And what this is telling us is, is my complaint is not against me, it's not against you, it's, it's against God. And then we look at Exodus 20, right? And, and you've probably heard of the, the Ten Commandments, right? And, and we see in all of these things, and well, here's what it says. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day. So, so we've seen the, the, the quail and the manna in Exodus 16. We've seen God rest on the seventh day. And in Exodus 20, when, when God gives the law through Moses, he says, remember it. He's not saying this is something new. He's saying, remember, remember this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter. So he's basically saying don't have anyone around you doing work. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. So what's God doing in all of this stuff? He's establishing an ethic of work and an ethic of rest. And, and it's built upon trusting his provision and taking responsibility to gather what he has provided to meet our needs. I'm not providing on the seventh day, he says. He's training us to show us what's best. And, and here's the reality of this. It's so funny, like, yeah, I could work twice as hard the next day. Why don't you work twice as hard the day before? Because that's exactly what God is telling us to do. If it feels that way, that's what he's saying. This is the prescription. And, and look, I, I know, I'll, I'll get to this. Like, I know that this isn't some linear thing. And so you're telling me for 24, I'm not telling you that, right? I'm just, I'm just painting out the case on why this matters to us. That when we don't rest, we forget God. And when we do rest, we do it as an opportunity to dwell with Him and to remember all of His productivity and to remember the productivity of our own hands that we get to contribute and to just dwell with Him and rest. So he's showing us how his creation works best. And here's the thing. In the Old Testament, every seven years, they even gave the land a break, right? And I know what you're thinking. You're, you're, you're like my dad uh, who, who talks about Chick-fil-A, and, and he literally, for real, like, that doesn't make any sense to me, Michael. Why? Like, what kind of business model would just close on Sunday? Why would they do that? I, I don't know, Dad. I don't know. I bet you can read some articles on it. I bet they're, they're, they're free from, from being slave to more money. That's what I bet, Dad. I, I don't know. And so we see in this, and, and you, you know how, how foolish these farmers would look? On the seventh year, when, when they didn't do anything, it wasn't like, yeah, we had beans there, and now we have to have corn there to circulate. No, there's nothing on that field. Why not? Because it needs a break. Well, that's, that's silly. You know, you know you can make more. I, I know I can make more money. So we get these ideas, but, but we won't live in them unless we're given new motivations, new desires, new natures for work and rest. Then Jesus comes, and he reminds us that the Sabbath is an opportunity to remember and to declare through our rest. And he takes on the identity of the Sabbath. He doesn't say, bump the Sabbath. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, let's get rid of the Sabbath. He says, look, I... Sabbath? I'm the Sabbath. In me, you will find rest. He, he says, come to me, you who are burdened, and, and I'll give you rest. The Sabbath is for you, you are not for it. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. In me, you will find rest. And on the cross, when all of his work is done, you know what he says? He says it. It is finished. Have you ever worked really, really hard at something? Like really hard. And finally you, you, you finish it. And you're like, like just ela like elated. Just, oh my gosh. Like the, the, what, what Jesus says in it is finished is, is it was in the past. It's, it's still in the present. It will remain in the future. He what, what this like, kind of phrase is, is I successfully completed the work I came to do. 
to bring to an end. I, I came to complete something. I came to a particular course of action like, like when you climb Mount Everest. Any, I don't know. I imagine you get to the top, and I know what you do first. You're like, oh, you know. But then you're like, <sighs> like as soon as I get a signal, then it's finished. So someone knows. So that when I tumble down, they'll know. Or, or like, like when you finish a dissertation, or when you, when you pay off a mortgage, um, when you finish a marathon, when you cross the finish line. It's, it's more than just I survived, but it means I did exactly what I set out to do. And so the first thing that Jesus set out to do, he, he came to, to establish his kingdom, and his kingdom would be made of these people, nature of man, to the perfect nature of God. That's what he came to do. To bridge broken, sinful, rebellious man back to the perfect, righteous nature of God so that we might again be in relationship. So, so how would it is finished change the way that you work and that you rest? Well, it has everything to do with approval. Everything. Have you ever watched a kid uh, like play baseball? I mean, t-ball. It's like the cutest thing ever. And, and you have the kid, and you have the parent, and you, and you, have, and you have just the, the look back, and, and you have a uh, swing and a miss and a look back, and then you have a swing and a hit, and the kid runs, and he gets on first, or she gets on first, and she just, like, you know what she wants to see? She wants to see mom or dad like, yes. You did it. I saw that. I saw you do that. Look, that doesn't go away when we become adults. We thirst for approval. And, and, and when we're centered in a way that's healthy, we yearn for God's eye and God's approval. That's what we were made to do, for God to say, look, look at you, son. I, I see you there. Right? That, that's the hope in the new heavens and the new earth, the hope is, in the day of judgment, that God says, I see you. Well done. Come on in. When we're not centered, we long for approval from, from everything else. From, from our neighbors, from, from our family, from our spouses, from, from coworkers, from whatever, and, and from ourselves. And, and some of you are like, gosh, I, I'm driven by the approval of those outside. And some of you are driven by this internal thing that you have that you're like, no, I, I, need, I need to make sure that I'm doing what I know I should be doing. When, when we understand it is finished, then that all goes away. Our work then changes from, from something that is trying to earn God to something that we get to do because He already accepts us. This is, for, for those of you who don't know, all right, some of you are like, yeah, this is the gospel. For some of you, this is, this is a life in Christ. This is the foundation of it. That, that we can't please God. That there's nothing that you can do. You can't write a check big enough. You can't spend enough community service hours. There's nothing that you can do to please God. Nothing. But when you trust Jesus, the only one who in every single way did everything perfectly according to the will of His Father, 
And God said every single step of the way to Jesus, yes, son, I, I see you, son. You did it perfectly, son. And at the end of his days, Jesus could have went to earth for 30 some odd years and he remained righteous, but he didn't do that. At the end of his life, he, 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 he grabbed up all of our sin and he, and he became one with it. And Jesus brought on sin, not the sin of his own hands, but our sin so that when we trust him, when he says, it is finished and I came to do what, what I did and today it's done, that we are restored back to God. And from that point forward, God looks at us, even, even broken and clumsy as we are, and he says, that's my son. That's, that's my daughter. You, I, I see you. But it, but it didn't look, because all I see on the sheet is, is my perfect prized son. But that's, that's not what I'm doing. Yeah, but that's what I want you to do. That's who you are, so live that way. So this changes the way that, that we work from, from earning to just a response out of acceptance. And so functionally, just side note here, from this point on, it is finished. The Sabbath rest was on Saturday all the way up to that point. And guess what? Like darn near immediately, it became Sunday, which is why we're hanging out here today. Because Jesus rose on Sunday. And in that, we find our rest. Hebrews 4 talks about this a ton, but it, it, he says in, in one instance, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So, so are you free enough in your identity being knit to Jesus and, and what he's already done and, and your confidence that God can spin the earth without your contribution? Are you confident enough in that to just put the crap down for a few minutes a week? Are you confident enough? God doesn't need you. He wants you. He invites you in. He does not need you. The last thing is this. Rest takes rhythm. Look, I, like most of you, have experienced seasons of, of busyness that, that I, I feel like changed my character and, 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 and who I was. You know, just so much for so long that you're like, gosh, this is... And, and I remember getting out of those seasons, and I remember reflecting and feeling like, no, I, I have to be who I was then. And it took, it took six months, it probably took a year for my life to straighten out into a way where I'm like, no, no it, it is good. It, like, my life is okay. And I don't have to be the identity of just doing ever. I don't have to be that anymore, right? And so, but, but it takes rhythm, and you have to figure it out. And I don't have all of the answers, but I know that we must work for rest. And it, and it can be nuanced, and there's flexibility. All the flexibility in the world, and there's discretion, and there's conscience, and there's personality in it. Uh, in, in, in the way that we implement Sabbath and rest, but I know that, that what's not up for debate is we get to walk in obedience and we get to live in light of its principle. We get to dwell with God and we get to put down productivity. We have to do that. We get to dwell with God and put down productivity. Regularly, we get to do that. So, uh, 
I, I want to close out with just 28 things. I'm kidding. A, a couple things. Um, in in a, a, a talk that Tim Keller gave uh, about this stuff, he concluded with some things that, that I found really helpful, and so I just want to share some of those with you. Um, as, as much as, as in our hands, we can do some of these things. And the first two are kind of heart things. Uh, rest is an act of liberation. We have to get this in our heart. In Deuteronomy 15, uh, we see it says, You were slaves, and I brought you out. Therefore, observe the Sabbath. Right? And there's all, that's, that's a weird thing. You were slaves, and I brought you out. Therefore, observe the Sabbath. So if you don't rest, then, then just know this, like your rule master outside of you is the one inside of you. So, so when we embrace the Sabbath, we are embracing the liberation that we have in Christ alone. If you're overcommitted and you can't say no, you're a slave. If you can't say no to, to, to wants or uh, to cultural expectations or to your fears or, or to yourself, then, then you're a slave. And this is an act of liberation. I'm not defined by what I produce. The second thing is it's an act of trust. We get to remember God and we get to know that, that the world doesn't spin because of the, the produce of our hands. And then those lead us to some, some practical things. And you can kick these around throughout the week or whatever, but um, the first one is this. Take more Sabbath time. Okay? Just, just that. Because of all of these things, take more Sabbath time. This, the second thing is balance your Sabbath time. Because when, when I kick this stuff around, I'm like, I don't know I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What does it mean to dwell, to set apart, to have a holy day? Like, is that just 24 hours of, of prayerful devotion? Can I do anything? And we're free. We're, we're not under the law, but, but we're invited in to see that this is good. So, so the way he breaks this down is, is three things. Balance your Sabbath time. Three helpful things. Avocational, which is like not vocational. So, so what do you do for fun? What, what hobbies do you have? Uh, and and I, I know what you might be thinking. Gosh, I don't have time for hobbies. I, I know. That's, that's why we're having this conversation. Like, you should enjoy life at times. So, so hobbies, something that you don't normally do. Enjoy creation. Be, be outside, or if you hate outside, be inside, or whatever. And so if you're, a, if you're a fisherman by trade, don't fish on your day off. If you're a graphic artist, like don't, maybe, maybe don't do art on your day off. If you're, a, if you're an author, maybe don't read on your day. I, I don't know. Uh, but, but we have to figure this out. But all those things are, are great. Like for me, uh, for some of you, you think like, oh, I have a day off. You know, I want to I take a three-mile jog. And you're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, right? <laughs> you're telling me Sabbath and all this that, that we talk about. And you're going to run for no reason. But I know some of you are like, gosh, that's sweet. That is sweet. I just get to run and be you know, whatever, like, and so it, it doesn't have to look like this, but the principles are there, so, so we get a balance of avocational, some uh, contemplative, meaning that we have to think, or for us, like a, a really important part of this, and, and whether or not Sunday is a Sabbath day, and, and for some of us it's a work day or whatever, but, but we get to worship God, we have to worship Him, 
to remind us of, of who we are apart from anything that we do. We get to spend time in God's Word, letting Him tell us who He is and, and who we are. Uh, and then inactive. So that will be the third component, inactive. Um, like I said, the land got a Sabbath, and, and we get to, so, so no structure, no planning. Uh, feel the feels, think the thoughts, all right? And maybe you sit on your porch, maybe you, you catch up on shows, what, whatever, that, that your Sabbath is balanced. The third thing is, is be accountable for Sabbath time. It is not possible to avoid seasons of overwork. If you're going to be a doctor, you're going to go through periods of your life that you, you can't sleep and you can't function if that's what you're going to do. Um, if, you're, if you're going to start a business like many of you have, there's going to be increased time where you're like, this, I don't know what to do. And so you have to understand that, that those things are seasonal. And the question that, that I've probably asked you or that we get to ask one another is, uh, is this, gosh, is, is your life, what you're doing now, is it sustainable? Right, the Carters, we've had this conversation, right? Many times over the years, like, oh, man, you guys are doing a lot. Is, is it sustainable? And it's, well, it's, it's not, but, but the hope is that if, if this, then ah, I can, like, step into a different role in my life, whatever. Like, is it sustainable? If it's not, then you, you can't do it forever, So we get to be accountable for Sabbath. We get to walk with others who remind us of these things. Four, we get to inject Sabbath into your work. In the Old Testament, there was this principle of gleaning. And so they didn't put, they didn't put crop on all of the field. Like they, they, they kept portions of it that, that didn't have that. And they didn't harvest a crop so that people could come along. The passerby could come along and, and take of the fruit and eat of it. And so what that means for us is you, can't, you cannot plan your days to, to have zero margin. Because guess what? When anything comes into that, then you're kicking over into, into, the, into time that you don't have. And you're going to take it from somewhere, your family or sleep or, or something else. And so we, we have to make sure that we're inducing Sabbath into our work. And what that might mean is that you have, this is tough for these words to come out of my mouth, like fewer goals. That you might, you might have to lower a bar. That you might risk falling behind in your career because of it. And so you get to say, is, it, is that okay? Or, or am I going to continue to just plow on? And, and I, I had this guy in, in my life, he said, I, I would rather rust out than burn out. Or I would rather burn out than rust out. Well, Maybe, maybe neither. I, I don't know. It's a thought. Um, and then the last, the last thing is this. Learn Sabbath in community. We get to, we get to figure this thing out together. And so if you're, a, if you're a, a student and you're trying to juggle lots of stuff, then, then sit down with somebody else who's trying to figure this stuff out together and say, look, what are your rhythms? Because I, I, don't, I don't know how to do this. Or, or if whatever it is, whatever field you're in, or, or whatever, I don't know how to do this, but I want to. Maybe we could figure this out together. All this to say, um, Sabbath and rest is a posture of heart first, and then, and then we get to let intentional actions follow. And so rest runs counter, rest remembers God, rest takes rhythm, and the life of rest begins and ends with trusting the one true 
God. We get to respond today. There will be some questions on the screen that, that I hope will uh, allow us to continue to sift. We get to trust Jesus today. And if you've never done that and you're like, gosh, this rest that you talk about, I want that, right? Forget about calendars and schedules and all that stuff. What I want to offer you today is Jesus. He gives you rest despite all of those other things. And so if you have a question or if today you would say, you know what? I, I live in this world, but today... I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. How do I do that? My wife and I will be back by that red tree. We would love to talk to you about that. There will be another couple people by that red tree over there. There's a prayer bench over there. You can sit by yourself. You can sit. You can stand up or you can respond. If you're in Christ, we get to remember and declare the fact that it is finished. And we get to do that today by taking communion. It's bread and it's dipping it in the cup. And it's remembering the body that was broken and the blood that was spilled for us. And if you're not in Christ, this is not for you, but we are for you, and we'd love to chat. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for this. Thank you that you give us purpose, and you invite us into work. And thank you that you give us rest. And I know that we're all over the map on this stuff, and there's opportunity for guilt, and frustration, and and shame all around these topics. But would you invite us into, into the fact that it's finished? We get to wrestle through this. We get to be intentional in our work, and we get to be intentional in our rest. Would you teach us? Would you let us be known um, for, for, for having an ethic of work, but also as having an ethic of rest? Because that's what you invite us into. Thank you for your goodness and your grace in Jesus' name.